Hello, beautiful people. Today on the podcast, we have Pat Walls, and Pat is the creator of StarterStory.com, and he's also the writer behind my favorite daily blog. I love how open and honest Pat is with his creations and his writing, and it comes through. If you go to PatWalls.com, you can see and feel just how real Pat is being in every sentence that he writes, and we discussed how to be honest as a writer on this podcast, and this conversation was a lot of fun. Pat and I have many similar interests, and I believe it came through in this conversation. I hope you guys enjoyed it as much as I enjoyed recording it. If you enjoyed this conversation, as always, let me know on Twitter at HeyDannyMiranda. Love your feedback. Love what you have to say about this conversation. And without further ado, this is my conversation with Pat Walls. Interesting people, thought-provoking conversations, nutrition for your brain. Journey through the minds of the world's top performers and discover what it really takes to achieve your highest version. This is the Danny Miranda Podcast. So let's start the conversation with the idea that you follow one person on Twitter and that person is David Goggins. Talk to me about that. Uh, it's funny because I just unfollowed everyone on Twitter just like a few, I think it was like last week or something like that. And then I was listening to the Joe Rogan podcast and he says, if there's only three people you should follow, it's uh, on, on social media, it's uh, David Goggins. And then like, I think it was like The Rock or something like that, but I didn't like his feed. So now it's just David Goggins. But uh, I read his book uh, maybe last year and just like super inspiring and uh, yeah, so that's all I follow now, but uh, probably going to change. <laughs> yeah, David Goggins is a, an absolute legend, and Can't Hurt Me is the book for those for, for those unfamiliar. And okay, so Pat Walls, talk to me about who, who you are. Um, well, I run a, a business or website called StarterStory.com, and we uh, interview entrepreneurs on how they – you know, regular entrepreneurs who started normal businesses, not like, you know, some, you know, Tesla or some shoot to the moon business. We just interview people that are making a living for themselves and making usually a uh, living through an online business. And uh, for all of the interviews we do, uh, we share how much they're making. And so you can really get a sense of what's realistic and what's possible to do um, if you want to start your own business. And then we also go into, uh, really the details about how you got started, how you came up with the idea, how you've grown the business. And there's, there's really no fluff. It's just, um, you know, get down to the brass tacks about um, how to really start a business. So that's the business that I run. And I started that um, about just coming up on three years now. And uh, at the time, um, I was just looking for I was in a similar position. I was looking for a business to start. And I just decided to start interviewing entrepreneurs. And I had a full-time job and I was doing it on the side and then I just kept interviewing entrepreneurs and sharing them on the website and that kind of started taking off and I was able to quit my full-time job and uh, run this whole business uh, um, as a as a full-time gig which I've been doing for like the last two years now and traveling and uh, kind of just starting a business uh, in a little bit of a different way it's really just me and um, a small team and uh 
here we are today, but um, likely lots to change too. <laughs> well, I became familiar with you not from the company that you you started, but rather the the blog that you run. And talk to me about why you decided to write a daily blog and why that was something that you wanted to start to begin with. Yeah, so um, uh, my blog is uh, just patwalls.com and I think about it, it's almost been a year now, but um, I've always shared my journey online and how I've gotten started and you know how I started that business that I just mentioned earlier. Um, and it's, you know, I've been sharing on Twitter as well. It's always been, um, you know, some people have been following me on there, but I really wanted to start something a little bit different than my business, more of like a personal blog. And I decided that um, I wanted to just write and publish every single day. So I write a blog post every day or I write every day and publish on uh, patwalls.com. And if I miss a day, I have like a rule where uh, I have to donate some amount of money or um, like buy, like support another creator online if I miss a day of writing, which I sometimes do. Um, and I just wanted to start that because uh, I found that writing is really helpful for me to solve my own problems. So often I'll just be writing really um, about really personal stuff and, and just try to be as candid as possible because I found that it helps me actually solve my own problems faster than I would um, if I didn't write or if I was just thinking about them. So is that why you're so open and honest with everything that you write? Because when I read your blog, I feel as if I'm reading your personal diary. I feel as if I'm getting a look into your soul. And is that why you're so open and honest? Because it helps you grow. It helps you go through some of these problems and issues. Yeah, definitely. I think, um, it's hard for me to write anything that wouldn't be, I think. So like if I wrote something and it wasn't honest with myself, like I don't even know if I'd be able to write it, which maybe that's like a, I don't know, a blessing and a curse is like, sometimes I wish I would write more, um, objectively, like maybe write about another topic or something like that. But usually it just comes down to me trying to just like, um, yeah, go through or just think through something that's like, uh, personal that's going on. And like, for example, yesterday when I wrote, um, usually the writing process is like, I start writing something and it's like not super honest. And then I start digging deeper into like, okay, what happened today? And like, what is, what is the real feelings that I have? And then when I can do that, I've noticed that people, when they read it, they go like, well, wow, I can actually really relate to that. And I've found that if I can really get honest and, or become honest and really write about how I'm feeling that actually helps. It's actually, you know, it's, I'm not the only one feeling that way or I'm not the only one having these thoughts or feelings. And then people read it and like, Oh, that is actually what I'm experiencing. And I haven't found any other blogs or content or especially Twitter online that actually talks about this kind of thing. So how do you know when you're being dishonest. Is there anything that you use to identify like, I just wrote something there and that's not actually who I am or that's not actually how I feel? How do you identify your dishonest writing? Uh, that's a really, that's a tough one. Um, I'd say that um, if you ever find that you are 
Hmm. I don't have a good answer for that. I'd say that it often comes from making like almost like excuses for yourself or lying to yourself. Oftentimes I found that um, if I'm lying to myself about something, I will maybe come up with like uh, negative associations with it. So like if something is really, uh, if I'm really negative about something, it's really something that's like my own problem rather than something that's wrong in the world. So uh, that's usually where like a dishonest, it's like really not like, it's really just me being dishonest with myself. So writing will help um, instead of trying to like blame it on someone else or make excuses for it or, or whatever it is, like uh, writing will help me realize that it's actually my own problem um, and not something else that's wrong in the world. Like for example, politics is a good example. Like um, being able to write about it, I'll realize that um, it's not really someone else being evil or someone else being wrong. It's really just my own um, perception of it. I don't know if that makes sense. Yeah, I, I understand where you're coming from. And one of the things that really drew me to your writing in particular was the first story that I ever read from you, the first piece of writing I ever read, which was shared by KP, who I've interviewed on this podcast. But the story was about your Think and Grow Rich piece of paper. And I would love for you to go deeper on that story and, and share that story right now. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> there's a book called uh, Think and Grow Rich. It's like uh, written by Napoleon Hill. It's like a very old book. I think it was written in the 20s or 30s or something like that. Um, but one of the concepts from the book is about visualization and says, like, if you want to be rich, I mean, it, I don't like how they use rich because it can, you know, connotate like greed or something like that. But um, if you want to be rich or if you want to get some something in life, doesn't have to be money. Um, you have to write it down and look at it every day and visualize you being in that position that you want to be in. And also to write in addition to writing it down, to writing down like how you will get it, like you what specifically you will do to reach what you want. So it's not like I'm going to have a six pack in uh, two years. It's, you know, how I'm going to work out every day and do this very specific thing and I will get it. So I read that book and then I wrote like on a little note card. I wrote uh, basically that I wanted to get out of uh, student debt. I was in like uh, and some credit card debt as well. I was thinking it was like $50,000 or something like that. And I still had my full-time job at the time and I was working on my side projects and I just said, Hey, I want to get out of this debt and, um, you know, work on my business full-time and, and build my side project to a, a specific amount of revenue. And then I just hung it on my wall and I read it every single morning and every single night. And, um, I think I set like a goal date for like a year and a half from that point. And, um, I, Towards the end, I mean, a lot of crazy stuff happened. It didn't happen really exactly how I planned it. But in the end, I did reach that goal, which was like, then I made a, uh, a video and, and I wrote a blog post about it, which you can probably find if you put it in the show notes, but um, the, the more fuller story on that. But yeah, basically I, I visualized that goal and, and reached it. And then I, I shared that online and, and some people uh, appreciated that. Yeah. 
And so I'm curious, and you don't have to share if you have or what you have, but have you created new goals in the future or new new visualizations to do for for today? Have you taken that and and uh, and applied it again? Yeah, um, you know, just to be totally honest, I I did write a new note card, but I haven't read it every single night and every morning like I did before, or I have it, I don't have it hung up next to my bed like I used to. Um, but this reminds me that I need to do that. So, <laughs> well, I was going to ask my follow up is why not? Um, I think that, uh, through that year and a half, it was, um, I learned a lot about how to build a business. And I think that was really the, one of the big purposes of, or one of the big benefits of having that note card up was like um, realizing the work that it takes to actually get what you want in business or um, in the, in the projects that you're working on. And I feel that I learned how to do that. So it's less about um, learning how to do that, but more just doing the same thing over and over. So nowadays I'm kind of focused in on um, just doing kind of what I did before and, and um, you know, my businesses continue to grow but um, this is a good reminder that I need to put that up again. Awesome. Yeah, well, I'm a huge proponent of visualization and it's something I do every day, every morning and night. And I think that it, it's so critical to becoming the person we want to be. And the way I look at it also is, is like it's such a, a no-lose no thing, right? Like if I spend 10 minutes a day visualizing – who I want to be and it does nothing. Okay. That's great. And if it does something, that's great. It's, it's like you can't lose. So yeah. that's how I think about it. Yeah. I think the, one of the hardest parts for me was just like, um, being confident in that visualization. So, um, I had that, like that goal, which was, you know, you could fail at that goal and like, it's fine to fail. Like, for yourself if no one knows about it but when you put that thing up next to your bed and you know people start seeing it and you start telling people about it and then you feel um like you have almost this like accountability it's really powerful to do that but it's also scary so i think that uh, for anyone out there that's looking to do something similar is just uh to yeah really try to be confident about that and know that's what you want why tell other people well, it's not really, I don't really believe in telling other people about like your goals or like, you know, going around screaming your goals because, um, for me personally, I like to just do things. And then, um, as it gets closer to reaching the goal or after you reach the goal, then telling people about it. But when you do, when you set a goal like that, like I had, it's fine to set the goal, but your whole life will change, um, especially if it's a, an ambitious goal. So people will see and you'll change and people will react to how you change. So, um, you know, for that, for that specific example, I, um, you know, was working a lot when that happened. Like I was very, very focused on hitting that goal and people would see these changes in me and be like, well, what are you doing? Or like, why are you doing all this? Why are you working so hard on this project that, you know, seems like really silly. And, um, so it's not really as much about telling people about it, but, um, being confident in these changes in your life and um, hopefully having people around you that will be supportive of it. 
Yeah, that makes sense. What are some of the ways that you've changed in the past three years since you started? Um, I would say that I've really changed how I look at the idea of success and freedom. And especially because three years ago I had a full-time job and, you know, I was working and making a salary and, um, now it's interesting to be in a place where I, I make a comparable amount of money, if not more, but also I work a lot differently than I did before. So before it was all about how much time, uh, will you put in versus what are you actually, what am I actually working on? So I think that's been like one of the biggest changes is, uh, to go from an employee to a business owner and, um, changing how you think about how work should get done and how to grow a business and um, how you, what you how you value your time. So lately I've been um, not accepting but learning how to work less and realize that I can get the same results as before when I was you know so focused on hard work and putting the hours in. And nowadays it's a little bit less about that and more about um, how to maximize my own time and also see the same, if not better results. It sounds like you're focused on, on leveraging your time as, as best you yeah. can. And so what, what are the specific ways you found that you leverage your time? Well, the, the first thing, the big thing is, and it's like kind of cliche, but like, uh, just saying no and turning down a lot of projects and opportunities. I think that when you start a business and you, uh, well, before you, st when you're first starting a business, there seems like there's a million opportunities. And then when you, and you, I think you should seize those and, and try a lot of different things. But then once you start having like some, you know, once you have a business and you've started seeing some success or it doesn't have to be a business or it's whatever you're doing. Um, a lot of it comes down to uh, being okay with turning down like the million opportunities that seem uh, really good or like you feel like you have to do them. Like um, meetings is a big one and uh, things like that. So I think that's the number one thing is, uh, for me at least, I, I don't wanna give advice to people, but for me is like being able to, uh, yeah say no to a lot of things that even that might be a good idea, but they might not be the best idea or best use of my time. Yeah. It reminds me of your blog post about how a million people were telling you that you should start a podcast and, mm -hmm. and then you, uh, then you said to them, yeah, that probably would be a good idea, but it also would be a, a strain on my time. So makes a yeah. lot of sense. Yeah. So, one thing that I wanted to ask you about was you worked for Kanye West. <laughs> Talk to me about this. This is like, this is crazy to me. I, I was, you know, preparing for this interview and, and going deep into your blog and deep into your history. And I was like, whoa, hold on a second. I got to talk to Pat about this. <laughs> uh, yeah. Unfortunately, I had to sign an NDA when I did that. <laughs> So I can't I can't really talk so much about it, but I would just say that um, it wasn't I'm not some like uh, lucky I, I didn't it's not some crazy thing, uh, but 
Um, I think that it happened just because of a, you know, luck basically. And I got lucky uh, because I knew someone who knew him and uh, they let me help out uh, with Kanye for a little bit. But it wasn't like, you know, I was like uh, building some cool project with him or something like that. But um, just just a lucky connection. Yeah. I like how you said on your blog, at least, that you don't want to work for Kanye. You want to work yeah. with Kanye. And I yeah. really think that that hit home to how you think and and what your aspirations in this life on this floating rock in space are you know? Yeah. Yeah. I appreciate that. Um, I think that I have a very, I'm very against working. Like I, I I hope that I never will be an employee for the rest of my life. However, that's going to work. I'm not really sure, but I, it's really, I really struggle having a boss and for someone telling me what to do, whether it's my boss or, um, you know, I'm working on a project or something like that. I, I really, um, I wish I was better at it, but I, I have a poor job at being told what to do. So that all comes from that. I would say that, um, maybe that's not the best thing in the world, but that's just me. It also reminds me of something Jack Butcher says often, which is that if you make $1 online, your world will never be the same again. And, and it's just like, it opens your eyes to the possibilities and being in the position you're in compared to the position you were in three years ago, you're probably sitting there like, Oh, like this is a lot different. This feels different. And dude, I would say that, um, that's so true. And I wish, and it's, you can't explain it. Like when I, the first money that I made online, um, was, $3 $3 through the Amazon affiliate program. It might've even been less than a dollar. It might've been like 30 cents because you get such a small cut. Um, but you couldn't explain that feeling to someone who hasn't felt it. Like you really have to experience that. And I hope that anyone listening that hasn't made some money online through like a function of not any like work you directly did, like not like an agency or getting paid for your time, but like you made money from someone visiting your website while you were sleeping or something like that. Mm-hmm. Once you feel that, once you realize after the first time, it doesn't matter how much money it is. It's like something just clicks in your brain and you realize that, Oh, I can do this at scale and I can do this. If I can do it once, I can do it 10 times and I can do it a hundred times and I can probably do it a thousand times. And then I can, add all these other things and have them all running at the same time. And then your life just kind of like is your mind is blown in that moment. So, uh, whatever Jack said is 100% true. And I experienced that as well about three years ago. So three years ago was the first time you made money online from that, from sleeping basically. Yeah. Started. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like I, I made it through the Amazon affiliate program, which is like if someone buys a book through Amazon from a link they clicked on your website, uh, I made you know a dollar or something like that, and that's that was the first dollar I made. Yeah. So, talk to me about your childhood. Were you always someone who was a starter in sense in the sense of just like making things, building things? Were you were you that type of kid? Yeah. I, I was, yeah. I remember when I was like really young. Like, I guess it wasn't the first dollar I made online because when I was like mm, 
maybe 14, I can't remember specifically. I would like do like internet schemes. Uh, they had like um, ways to make money online is like through these affiliate programs. I would do kind of stuff like that. It was so long ago though. I'm 30 now. So um, it feels like a generate, like a decades ago, but um, I've always been kind of like a starter like that, but I did get, I don't want to say trapped, but um, after high school and college, I got like preoccupied with the idea of building a, you know, traditional career and being an employee, which I was for many years. So after I graduated college, I worked for companies and um, as a salaried employee for, I think, six years or something like that until I finally started my own business. So um, I wasn't just like an entrepreneur from the beginning and then always was that. Like I definitely went through some some ups and downs, I guess, or some phases. What convinced you to take that leap to start your own thing? What was it specifically? It was actually, uh, I always wanted to start a business and start a startup. And I lived in San Francisco in 2015-ish. And um, at that point, I had gone to, I really wanted to learn to code. I felt like I needed to learn to code to be able to start a startup. So I did that. And then after I learned that, um, me and a couple of friends were like, oh, we're going to start a startup and, you know, we're going to try to go big, like, you know, big YC, VC kind of thing. And we did that. And it was like, it was just such an amazing experience, even though it failed, um, that I got hooked on the idea of starting my own company. And it was after that, kind of failure, which was over the course of many months that I decided, uh, I would start, I had to do this. So I, uh, had to make it work. Um, that, that company obviously didn't work, but, um, I was set on the idea of, of figuring something out and that's, that's what got me to really get serious about it. Could you bring us to that failure? What happened specifically? And, and I'd love if you could break it down for us and what you learned from it. Yeah. Uh, so we, uh, we built a, uh, B2B invoicing application, like a SaaS app that, uh, say you are a, um, you're a manufacturer of peanut butter and you have, um, like you don't sell it, you actually manufacture it or you're the brand and you would go to, uh, you want to sell your peanut butter in like a bunch of different grocery stores but you don't have like the distribution and you want to get into like maybe like smaller, more boutique stores, you would be able to like send um, simple order forms to uh, retailers, like stores so they could buy your peanut butter. So it was like almost like a people listening might know Gumroad. It was like almost like a Gumroad for like B2B where you could like uh, sell your product uh, more easily than uh, through like a distributor. Anyways, going too much into that, but uh, we built that and it was exciting. We had some customers, and but the the reason why it failed was that um, customers just weren't really using it. Like they were excited about the idea, but uh, it was more of a nice to have than I need this. So they would be slow to install it or use it or really like uh, use it consistently with their customers. And um, it failed in that sense because we all had full-time jobs at the time as well. So we're building on the side 
and um, it just wasn't doing well enough for us to justify quitting our jobs or anything like that. So it kind of just, yeah, just failed slowly. But then finally, we just called it called it quits on it. What would you have done differently if, if anything, today, if you the same person, if you today was in that position, what would you have done differently, if anything? I wouldn't have done anything differently. I mean, there's obviously what I mean, what I would have done differently is I would have just done it longer. Not that I would have done that, but um, that there's a business there. It's just maybe not, you know, the business that goes to the moon. Um, so if I was really passionate about the idea, then it would be something that could have worked. Just, you know, we only worked on it for a few months, um, but over a few years, it would have been successful. But I wouldn't have done anything differently because that is what got me so excited about starting my own business. And I learned so much through that process about what people, what you, what people want. Like people didn't want this uh, software, but I realized what it means when someone wants something and when, when someone doesn't want something or like how to better understand what people want. So I think that was the big learning from that one. And then also I learned a lot about co-founders or I guess having co-founders and how that, I mean, I started my own business by myself after having co-founders. So there's another, there's some learnings there. And then, you know, just like a lot of little stuff, like I would say anyone listening that um, would take anything away from this part is that, uh, yeah, just start something. It doesn't really matter. Uh, it's probably going to fail, but you'll learn more through that than not. It's really the importance of, of just shipping, right? And just putting it yeah. out there and and figuring it out as you go because I think so often we can get trapped into thinking and planning and and that's great and all but it's like unless we actually do something we're never really gonna take those lessons in right yeah and it was a really fun I would just say like mm -hmm. um, just when I look back at that time it's very nostalgic like we were all hanging out uh, in our apartment like sitting on this big table and like coding and laughing and enjoying and getting excited about like even the smallest things this is like a really fun time i definitely miss that a little bit but do you hear the there's some background noise is that do you hear that uh no there shouldn't be what do you hear what does it sound i don't like? know it sounds like a like a plane almost but really? it's obviously not a plane um, there's an AC, but it's pretty low. Let me switch. I just I don't want the, the audio to be poor for the listeners. Hey, That's, oh, okay. Oh, it seemed to have shut off then. Is it better? You still hear yeah. it? Yeah, I still hear it. This could be the fridge. No. It it came on like like in the last three minutes, I would say. I'll cut uh, this part out. Okay, do you hear it now? Yeah. I do. Okay, let me try putting on the AirPod headphones. It does a better job of noise canceling. It it stopped. 
But the sound quality is... How's that? Hello? Yeah. I'm trying to figure it out if I hear anything. Sounds better. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Sorry about that. Sorry. No, no I'm sorry, man. I, it could have been the, the generator, but it doesn't seem that loud. Yeah. I mean, I'll, I'll just cut this part out, obviously. Right, no worries. Do you still hear it right now? No, I don't. Okay. It's good. All set. So, kind of switching gears a little bit is you've done something that I, I connected with you on and I was pretty inspired and, and interested in this specifically about you is that you quit alcohol. And so, I don't know if you still are not drinking or it was just for a, a specific time period. But talk to me about quitting alcohol and, and why that was important to you. Yeah, so I quit drinking around, I think it was December last year, after I heard this uh, this comedian, Nikki Glazer. She was on the Joe Rogan podcast. She just started, it was kind of, you know, they just talk about random stuff often, often on there. And um, yeah, she just talked about how she quit and she didn't really have like, a, like I didn't have a drinking problem and I don't think she did either. But um, she said that her like comedy career, that's like the point in time where her comedy career took off um, was that moment that she quit, even though, you know, you might not put those two and two together. Um, so I started learning more about that and like just finding that's a little bit, uh, it's, it's, I think a lot of high performing people don't drink, but you just don't really hear about it because people don't talk about it. And, you know, drinking is so normal in everyday life that it's like kind of a weird thing to do but I just started looking more into it and um, I decided just to give it a try it was I guess it was pre-COVID that I did do it but then it probably helped that um, I was doing it through COVID but um, yeah I decided to do it and uh, that's kind of my how as a common theme for me is just kind of doing something rash or um, yeah out of the blue and, and I've done it and it's almost been a year now. I would say that, um, it's been an awesome experience. Just, I don't know if I'll do it for the rest of my life, but, um, I'll give you the, the three, the two biggest things for me were, or the unexpected things for me were, um, the energy that I have. Um, if you don't drink, you have energy in the morning that you may never have experienced before. Um, like when I stopped drinking, I would be able to wake up like at six in the morning, seven in the morning and just be like completely focused and even go work out. And so often I would be working out twice a day, like in the morning and the night. And, um, that's just a function of like, if you don't drink at night, you go to bed probably earlier and you wake up in the morning, you don't have a hangover and then you just have more energy. And then even energy during the day too, like, um, if you ever have like a drink, I, I, I remember experiencing this uh, when I was drinking is like if I drink, you know, you go to lunch and you have a beer or something like that. Um, I just feel tired like the rest of the day. And um, when you don't drink, you don't feel that anymore. And you actually feel like a crazy amount of more energy. So it feels like you have this like superpower almost where 
um, you're never tired. And like, I already am pretty neurotic, but, um, I just like had so much energy that I had to like get it out by working out more, which is like this like cycle of like getting more fit and getting more in shape and then not drinking. It's like, um, just felt like I had more energy than ever before. And then the other thing I would say is, uh, like it helped a lot with my anxiety, like especially like hangover anxiety, like that's something that I would get before where, um, uh, you know, after like a long weekend, if you go, you know, drink, you know, multiple nights during the weekend, I just have this hangover anxiety that would go into like Monday or Tuesday. But when you don't drink, you just like, you wake up on Sunday after a big weekend and you just like, you feel like it's any other day. And then like Monday is like, there's no like recovery that you need, uh, from drinking. I don't know. How about you, man? Do you, did you quit drinking? Yeah, so I haven't had a drink since March 1st, nice. uh, 2020. We're recording mid-October. So, yeah, it's it's such an interesting experience, right? Because it's like making one decision that forces you not to make decisions everywhere else. And it gives you leverage, right? Because if you made that one decision, oh, I'm not going to drink, then it gives you leverage to not have to think about, oh, should I have a drink or not? It's already decided. You're not doing it. And so my follow-up question to you is, do you have a, a time period where you're like, okay, I'm going to do it for a year? Or you know, is it more just like a day-by-day type of thing? Yeah, no, I don't really have a specific time period. So I don't, I don't know about that. But what I will say is like what it's get, helped me understand is that like, or another help I didn't mention before is another cool thing was I learned how to go to a social event or to go on a date or um, do something that would normally involve drinking. And I learned how to do it without drinking or I got better at it at least. Um, so I think going forward, even if I do drink again, I will be able to, um, do things without drinking better than before. And a random side story is I just do think that, uh, drinking is like so ingrained in our culture, but, uh, I spent some time traveling, uh, in uh, Indonesia and in, like, um, some Indo- Indonesia is a, a, lo- is a lot of Muslims, um, and Muslims don't drink. And like, I think like almost everyone's Muslim in some parts of Indonesia. So you see like a culture that doesn't drink and to see that, like it kind of like flipped my mindset to be able to see like, oh, like people can still, society still functions fine and people do all the same stuff just without alcohol. And I remember like I would go to like coffee shops or bars or uh, however um, people hang out there. It's usually like people would just go to coffee shops and just like, sit there all night and just talk and chat and no one was drinking. So I think it's really interesting that, um, how ingrained drinking is in our culture yet there are like, you know, so many downsides to it, but I don't want to say that, you know, drinking is bad or something like that, or that I wouldn't do it again, but I do think you could do it less or at least not have to do it every time you do something social. I'm so happy you brought up the point about, being a better able to deal with dates and social interactions without drinking because I think that for me personally at least I used alcohol as a crutch as like an easy thing to do where 
I I would just go for a drink instead of confront what I was actually trying to do, if that makes sense. And I also love the point about it being so ingrained in our culture because it really is. Since the time we were young, we were fed ads about Bud Light and, and this alcohol and that alcohol. And it's like everywhere you look, it's normalized happy hours going out on Saturday night. But it makes you think, right? Like, what if meditation was the cool thing to do on Saturday nights? No one yeah. could make money off that, so it yeah. wouldn't be. But it is interesting to think about. We are raised with these standards, and we are raised with fed with movies and and commercials since a young age. It's like, of course, that's what we're going to view as normal. That's what we're going to view. But like you said, it it doesn't have to be that way, and we can choose yeah. whatever normal we want to be normal if we test out different things for ourselves yeah yeah and i think that the yeah like you said it's a crutch and i think one of the hardest parts was again going back to like what i was saying about people judging you like about the goals that i had before is like that's another test of your own uh maybe self-confidence or willingness to go outside the lines um, is like, you know, being able to go somewhere and say, hey, I don't drink. Or, you know, you're on a date or something like that and say, hey, by the way, I don't drink. And then being able to, you know, speak to that or talk about why you did that or just be confident in your decision. That was a challenge for me at first to be able to go out in, you know, New York City and um, not drink with a, you know, big group of friends and um, kind of and do that. And I would say that, you know, it wasn't easy. It was just different. And I learned a lot through that. And I'd say that, um, that can be helpful in other areas of your life, whether that's, you know, setting goals that you want or um, not drinking or just doing anything that's uh, not, you know, not not being on social media or something like that. Do anything that's outside the confines of society, I guess. What you're really doing in that situation is questioning. You're forcing the other people in that situation to question their own beliefs. And that's uncomfortable. And that's why you'll often get flack, right? When you go into a situation where everyone's drinking, you're not, they're going to say, oh, are you sure? Like you can have a drink, like it's no big deal. And what they're really doing is they're trying to justify their own behavior in some sense. And when you view it from that lens, it's like, whoa, you know, like why is this person trying to justify their behavior? Why? And, and you start asking those questions and then you realize that your ego is constantly doing this to yourself and whenever we try to pursue change, whenever we try to grow or, or expand ourselves in some way, there's always that resistance from our ego. Are you sure you want to meditate today? Are you sure you want to work out? Are you sure? But when it comes to Netflix, when it comes to you know con- doing the things that are or won't expand us, we're more than happy to do that. Our ego is happy to do that. So it's just a long way of saying that our ego is always doing that to ourselves too. Yeah. And yeah. It, it's yeah, just, I would say, yeah, exactly what you're saying. It's like, it's really just like getting out of your comfort zone. Like not drinking for me was, it was less about like the, my, um, my wanting to drink alcohol or to get drunk. I didn't really care that much about that. It was like, um, it was more about like trying something new and getting out of my comfort zone. I'd say that's like a common theme for me is uh, just to try new things and uh, achieve even small goals like that. And that 
um, can push you to do more or it has pushed me to do more uh, uncomfortable things in my life. So, yeah, I'd say that. One of the things that you've tried recently, at least, from writing on your blog is tennis. And yeah. speak to me about why tennis has played such a big role in your life. And and have you always played tennis or is this just something you found recently? Talk to me a little bit about yeah, tennis. Yeah, no, that's a good segue because it's a similar theme of my life is trying a million different things. And like you could probably look at me and you, I, it's a valid criticism that I try way too many things. And, you know, I'm like a – I'm – good at a lot of things and not great at anything. Um, so that's something that I think about that. That's the caveat to that. But tennis is another one of those things. Yeah. I'd, I'd never really played before, like, you know, casually, but, um, I just got into it and like, I played like every day pretty much for the last few months. Um, this, yeah, again, it's a common thing for me to just like get really obsessed with something. And then, you know, probably in two years, I probably won't even play anymore. Just like being realistic with myself. But, um, it has been really fun for me. Um, and what I love about it is that I really look forward to it. Like I'm willing to wake up in, you know, I'm not really a morning person, but I'm willing to wake up at five 45 in the morning and go play. And I'm willing to like put myself out there socially to find new tennis partners or like play with uh, people that, um, are better than me or like, I'm just willing to, um, lose my ego a little bit to get better at the game. And, um, but yeah, most importantly, it's just fun. And if you can find something that's fun, that's also exercise. I think that's really uh, great for like your physical, uh, physical reasons, like want, uh, wanting to get fit. Um, and uh, more specifically to the sport is like, um, it's a great sport for entrepreneurs, I think, because it's very similar to building a business or if you're a writer or, you know, running a podcast like you or whatever, um, you, you can get a little bit better at it every day and there's all these little elements to the game that um, you can improve on and there's really no ceiling to how good you can get or how much better you can how much more you can improve um, and it's a great sport for because uh, you only need one partner it's not like um, football or basketball or something like that like you can get out there and it's also covid friendly too so <laughs> yeah I love what you said about tennis is that if you wake up at 6 a.m. to do anything voluntarily it's a pretty good sign you love doing it and I yeah. just thought that was such a great quote of yours thanks man yeah I agree with that I would say that yeah um, just being able to do the things that are the most fun um, I think that a lot of people uh don't do that. Like it's hard or like as you get older, you, um, stop doing so many fun things and, or you just, you know, do them a lot less. Like you maybe only do it once a week or on the weekend, or I'm trying to figure out how to do fun things every day. Um, but yeah. Yeah. And that's a pretty good segue into something else I wanted to talk to you about, which is perfect moments. And you wrote about perfect moments in a blog post by the same title, I'm pretty sure. And talk to me about those. Talk to me about those perfect moments and and why and how you try to seek those out if you do it all. I think what you're referencing is it was a blog post about um, just like 
a moment. I think I, I think I wrote it. I'm trying to remember it specifically. It was like where I was like at the sunset in New York or something like mm-hmm. that. Yeah. I mean, that's a part of the writing everyday thing is that I just try to like if I have like if there's some notable event that happened that day, like where I felt really good or I felt really poorly or something big happened I try to try to capture that moment. And um, so I, I definitely wrote that one in the moment. But I think what was happening then is just like I was just very content. I think that is I was having a really good day and a good moment where I felt like, um, you know, everything like everything is going to be all right. And um, life is good kind of moment. And I think that was just kind of in the bigger picture, it was uh, COVID related. And I think that I say like COVID related because this hopefully this doesn't come off because this obviously it's a huge tragedy um, and health crisis. But I do think that COVID um is like a bit of a reset for me um, because, you know, we just really don't really have much anymore. Just like kind of sitting at home all day and, you know, not so many social events and parties and, uh, you know, our jobs are all remote now. And I think that um, it's, it's a good thing in some ways is that we get to like get down to more of the basics of uh, what we want out of life instead of like chasing um, so many outward things like status and uh, you know big jobs and uh, money and all those things and like we have so much time to ourselves now that we kind of need to look I had so much time to myself now that I in order to get happiness or to be happy is uh, to look inside and look inwardly and um, I think that blog post was kind of a moment where I was just like all right I'm very happy with just like this the nothing that I have like it was just me sitting by myself on the sunset in New York, you know, had a good day and I was just like happy with that. And I wasn't like wanting so much more or worried about, you know, I was present and it's in the present moment. I wasn't so worried about the future or the past. I think that was like a really common thing for me this summer. Just maybe it was like because COVID had, you know, been going on for so many months and I was kind of just uh, accepting that more. I don't know. What do you think? I think that's a great insight. And I think that you're hitting at the essence of what makes a great moment, what makes a great summer, what makes a great anything really, a great basketball game, a performance, a piece of writing is when you get so lost in the moment, when you totally forget that what you're doing is 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 anything at all and you just are able to be free in that moment – that's when we find those those perfect moments. And yeah, man, I, I relate strongly to it. And I also relate strongly to the idea that COVID forced a lot of people to do that and forced a lot of introspection. And you had this great point is that COVID's going to create a lot of existentialism and it's going to create a lot of fear in the future because people no longer have going to work or going to their job as part of their identity, which created a sense of importance for them. So talk a little bit about that point and that great blog post you had. Yeah, thanks. Thanks for reading the blog, first of all. Of course. Uh, um, The example that I would say is like, imagine the guy 
I hope no one works for Google who's listening to this, but you know, this is just my own perspective. But the guy who works as a software software engineer at Google, or maybe they work at you know finance at a bank or something like that, um, a lot of their identity is tied to this company they work for, this job title they have, and the status and the money and the stuff that comes along with that. But I'd argue that uh, there's not a lot of fulfillment from those kind from that kind of career or jobs unlike the actual value you're adding to the world or like the work you're doing on the day-to-day and covid um, is going to expose that i think for a lot of uh, people is like you know for that guy that works at google who got to go in every day and, and you know experience these amazing perks and um, all the uh, benefits of being able to tell people that you work at google and all that stuff but now it's just like you know, everyone's kind of just sitting at home doing Zoom meetings, and uh, there's everyone's kind of doing the same thing. Anyone who's working in you know a, a knowledge worker desk job, they're all kind of doing a little bit of the same thing. And that's just an example, but for those people, or for me too, is um, now you realize that like your job wasn't uh, your job. Your job isn't your life. Your work isn't your life. And um, being at home on Zoom meetings all day and like um, and doing that is, is when is, I think this is when a lot of people are going to realize that. And especially because the other point that is like you don't know how long that's going to go for. So is it going to go for 10 more years? It could like we could be on Zoom meetings for 10 more years. And, you know, this pandemic doesn't end for many years. So I think people um, are forced when, when there's uncertainty about the future, people are people can become depressed and anxious and um, in a state where there's nothing outside, they have to go inside um, to solve those, just to live their life, I think. Just like, um, you know, what are you gonna do for the next five, six, seven, eight months? Um, we gotta find something to do. And that might be like, to really like, I don't know, meditation or uh, a lot of people are are exercising more these days. Um, I don't know. Did you start the, uh, the podcast around COVID time? Yeah, I started posting on my blog. I started my blog right after COVID started. I, and then that, that blog became added to a newsletter, came to a, uh, you know, podcast so it just became more and more stuff that I was adding to it but your point reminds me of something that is that I think about often is like if you could not tell anyone what you do would you still do it right and it's such a important question I implore you to ask yourself whoever's listening because really the only person that cares, the only person that matters is your own opinion. It's your own perspective. And granted, it's different if you have kids, if you have family. Pat and I are, are lucky enough to be in this position. I believe that we're only the only ones supporting ourselves and we're, we're only, we only have to care for ourselves. But, you know, at the end of the day, if you're doing something for someone else, it's going to lead to some sort of unhappiness, some sort of trauma that's going to be carried with it. So mm-hmm. I, th- I think that's such an important, important point that, you know, if you couldn't, 
tell anyone what you do, would you still do it? Yep. Yep. That's the question that I always, that's a quite sim. I ask myself a similar question, especially when I'm starting a new business or working on something. It's like, is there anything else I'd rather do right now? Like even like, especially if I'm like bombarded with, you know, these, some new opportunity or like, I think there's a better business idea I could be working on or something like that. But then I always, I try to step back and just say like, is there something else that I'd, would I rather be working on that than what I'm working on now? Or if you're frustrated with what you're working on now, is like, is there something else I'd rather be working on? Uh, is there something better to be working on? And if the answer to that is no, you're doing the right thing. Um, I think a lot of the times people like you and me who see opportunity everywhere, it's easy for us to see other people successful in another area and be like, oh, I should be doing that. Oh, I should be doing that. Oh, I should yeah. be do-, you know, at least personally, right? And it's like if you really start to understand that whatever you do is going to have struggles, whatever you do is going to have hiccups and it's never as easy as someone makes it seem on the internet. If you start yeah. to understand that, you start to get addicted to the process you start to get addicted to it sucking. You start to get addicted to the things, realizing that you can control the struggles that you want to go through. And if the struggles you want to go through are starter story, that's that's where you're going to go. If the struggles you want to go through are something else, some other business, well, you can start that, but you're, there's also going to be struggles there. So there's going to be problems with whatever you do. So yep. just choose something, put your head down, and get to work, right? Yep. And that's, it's funny you mentioned that. It's something I think about a lot is like, um, especially the social media and what you hear on, you know, Twitter or maybe even, even a podcast, something like you can easily, I can easily be, um, have my mind. I'm easily influenced. My mind can be changed by someone who is spouting there. So if anyone's listening to me and thinking they need to change their uh, business idea or their mindset, I hope you don't because, um, I'm often very quick to like, yeah, make a split decision and I have to be very wary of that, especially if I'm on Twitter and, um, or if I'm listening to a podcast where someone's like, yeah, I did this thing and this business and this is what you have to do. And like, it's never that easy. And, um, if you make that decision, it's a big decision to do, to change anything really. So, um, I don't know if that's something you experience, um, in, uh, social media. Yeah, it was definitely something I experienced back in 2018 when I was just getting started online and doing a bunch of stuff online. I was like, oh, that looks cool. That looks cool. But in the past six months since I started my blog and website and podcast, it's really been important for me to to have my vision and understand what my vision is and to understand, okay, does this fit in? Does this fit in? No, it doesn't. Perfect. Like it, when you have a clear vision and you brainwash yourself every day with that vision, it makes it easier to understand where the opportunities are for you. Does that make sense? Yeah, man. That's why, uh, that's why I know you're going to be successful. And that's why I wanted to come on this podcast. Cause I, um, I could just tell, and I think that the vision is, um, yeah, it's unlike, there's nobody else that's going to have your vision. And your vision may be unique and it may feel really weird because no one else is doing that or no one else has that same kind of angle that you have. Um, 
but try to follow that and, and try not to copy uh, anyone else's vision uh, because your vision is going to be uh, what is going to be the game changer of your company or your final product or you know 10 years, 20 years from now. Um, follow that even if it feels like wrong or weird or like no one else is doing it because that is – I, in my opinion, and that, that's, I mean, that's what I've learned, uh, from my own business is like, I have a, I just have a different approach. Maybe it's not even the vision, but the approach, I feel like my approach is a little bit different, but I've become more okay with that. And I can kind of see maybe some light at the end of the tunnel where this may work. Um, and it probably will work because of, um, if you're doing things differently. So if you don't mind, could you expand on what is your approach or what is your vision? Yeah, my vision is, um, for starter story, the uh, entrepreneurship website is to build a media company, um, and to build it a little bit differently than, um, think of like Forbes starter story. I, I hope my, my vision is that it will be like Forbes, but for small business and, um, you know, more exposing small businesses and how like small online businesses grow. But I do want to build a media company, and that's what we're that's what we're working on now, um, is building something that's 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 um, a big brand um, and well known in the entrepreneurship space. Um, and our approach to that is a little bit different. Like um, media companies are really changing these days, um, where you know, you know, before it's like newspaper or um, you know, you hire all these journalists and and all that, but our approach is like a little bit more lean and a little bit more focused on automation and SEO and um, growing something with a small team. And I think that just my approach is it's not better or worse, but um, it's just uh, better for my situation because I have these coding skills and we have some people on our team that are um, have you know the marketing and the sales skills as well. So um, yeah, we're just building like a. a the vision is to build a big media company, but to do it in a little bit of a different way. I love which I don't see that. anyone else. I don't really see anyone else doing it. So I always wonder, am I? What am I doing wrong? Mm. But then you know, you got you got to keep that vision going. So you mentioned before about how if it seems like you're crazy, if it seems like you know no one else is doing this, like it leads you if you don't have that initial traction to start questioning it, and you. And you mentioned before about how you would you would suggest someone not do that, not not be so judgmental of themselves to to scrap it and instead lean into it. So, what would you say to someone in that area who hasn't made it or hasn't seen the light, but is also has started already? What would you say to that person? Yeah, so I think there's. I mean, the first thing is that it's got to work. So uh, even on a really small scale, so I'd say what we're doing is working, uh, which is why the vision continues to, to make sense, even though like it feels like weird that it's working. Mm. Um, if it's not working, like, if you aren't getting, see, it, and working can be really uh, subjective, I think. So maybe if you're in the earlier stages of starting your business um, and like it's really not working, then um, you know it's important to know how to change and, and how to pivot or, or whatever. Um, but I'm trying to th really think back to when I first started, 
and really, yeah, when, when I look back and like, it never really like, I can't really say like, oh, it was working, especially in the early days, but they're always just like little small wins every day. I would say, mm. I would say, look for that. Like, I just think back, like just what comes to my head right now is like, you know, we had this, uh, really viral Reddit post that really like kicked off the site, uh, back in like 2017. And that was like one of those small wins where it's like, oh, this is kind of working. But then, you know, like for the 10, 12, 30 days after that, there was like, you know, just a bunch of hard work and like there wasn't like really any wins compared to that. But then, you know, like something like a little small will happen after that. And like, you know, have you have another little win and that win like will um, keep you going, really. Like even just someone sending you an email saying like, oh, I really love your podcast or, or whatever. Um, I would look for those things. Um, if you're not getting anything like that, then um, you probably won't be motivated to keep going anyway. So I love that you brought up the viral idea and then the, the following 30 days, you, you don't receive anything because I think it speaks to something that every creator who's ever created something on the internet can relate to. And something that you've talked about extensively on your blog is that the internet is so weird in the sense of you could be on top of the world in on one second and then in the next it could feel like no one cares about you. So mm-hmm. talk about that. Talk about because you've dealt with that a lot and you've you've wrote about it a lot and it identified something that I've always thought about but never could put it to words. And I think that's a sign of a great writer. But talk about that that up and downness, that roller coaster that is the internet. Yeah. It's, it's a great question. I think that, yeah, like you said, it's a roller coaster. It's ups and downs. Um, and in that way, it's kind of like a drug, where um, it, which I think is kind of bad. Uh, I was talking to my other entrepreneur friend about this and what, another reason why we think um, COVID is interesting because um, I do think – I'm not going to go too much into that, but I do think COVID has made entrepreneurship less exciting. Um, just in general, like you just don't really see as much excitement about it. Like the big tech companies are getting sued and going through, um, you know, when antitrust issues and all that sort of thing is like, it just feels like there's less excitement. Um, but what I was saying is, um, we were, yeah, there's that, that kind of feedback loop of like when something really, really good happens to your business, it feels so good. It feels like a drug. It feels like you're high. Like it really does. I really do mm-hmm. think that, that. I mean, it's just my experience. Maybe it's hopefully not your my, experience. Mine too. Yeah, <laughs> I'm sure it is. I, I think that's maybe one of the reasons why, um, you know, people build businesses is for that, for those feelings. So, um, and the lows are can be way worse. And, and it's always relative to like um, when your business is doing, you know, X. Uh, once you reach a thousand dollars if say you make i don't know fifty dollars a day and then you've made fifty dollars a day for three months that fifty dollars a day doesn't feel like amazing like it did in the beginning and now it feels like the baseline and you have to make more and like say you make a hundred dollars a day for another 30 days and then you go back to fifty dollars a day you're sad you're not happy Mm -hmm. you're you feel low so um this is this kind of the chase the treadmill the hedonic yeah. ad- adaption we have. It's incredible, right? Because it's like you start making $50 a day and you're, you're super excited about it. And then you fall below that level and you, 
you then are like, oh, am I not worthy? Am I? And you yeah. start thinking all these thoughts, and it's like crazy because if you started at zero dollars a day and then you started making twenty dollars a day, you'd be stoked. But yeah. everything is relative. Everything is relative, and especially on the internet, especially with money on the internet, followers, likes, all that. It's the same thing, you know. And yeah. you get used to something, and once you get used to it, then it it's hard. So, what are the ways you guard against that? Um, yeah, I think that some of it is just experience getting used to it. Like, for example, um, you know, when the first time I hit the front page of like a popular forum and I had all this traffic kind of on my website, it was, you know, this like uh, euphoric experience. Uh, you know, you're getting sales, you're getting customers, you're getting emails, blah, blah, blah. But, you know, after the, you know, fourth or fifth or sixth time of that happening, it's, uh, it becomes pretty normalized and, and you're it's not so top of mind anymore so i think just experience and like you know when you first make money on the internet it's so exciting but then it becomes normal so i think it's just part of the process um i would say that writing helps a lot about it uh that's why it's another reason why i write every day um i try to talk I, I used to share a lot about my story and especially like the milestones, like um, traffic milestones or revenue milestones. I don't really do that as much anymore. Um, I try not to chase. This is a, probably a, a longer discussion. Maybe you have some ideas on this, but like you said, like you get used to the likes or the feedback on social media or the revenue or whatever. And then you start to kind of chase that and the hedonic treadmill I'm trying to do less of that. Just like I think staying off of social media is a big one. Like I was talking to Harry Dry about this and some of the listeners uh, may have heard that podcast if it's already out. But I feel that I could go on social media and you know write up some kind of uh, post that will get a bunch of likes. I kind of know the formula for that or at least you can look at other popular accounts and like see what they're doing that really does well but um, that's probably not a good thing to do that and i'd rather have my own style whether that gets a lot of likes or, or less likes than have a lot of likes and i think that maybe is like the problem of social media in general is that people chase that like number or that follower number so much that they do things that are uh, not themselves just because um, it performs better in that moment. Um, so yeah, I don't know what you think about that. It's really interesting because you can see what gets a lot of engagement. It's all the playbooks there for you if you want to take it. And everything is everything that you read contributes to your style in some way. So in some sense, I'm, I'm against taking other people's styles. And, and I, I think there's a, a fine line and a balance here because you want to be authentic to yourself. But you also have to understand that everything you do changes you in some way. So if you know that, why wouldn't you learn from the best, right? Why wouldn't you study the best ads if you want to be an ad writer or a copywriter? Why wouldn't you study the best blog posts? Because you know everything is going to change you. You could be right, reading crappy 
blog posts and, and crappy tweets. And do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. It's like it's it's not necessarily a bad thing to look at someone else's style and want that to be more your own style. At least where I'm sitting in, in the journey. I'm a relatively new writer on the internet in in terms of I've been posting for six months and I'm still trying to figure out my own thing. And it's like sometimes the best thing you can do is to copy someone else who's yeah. in a position. But at the same time, if you are just copying them without any, putting any thought of you into it, it is, it is going to hinder you. So yeah. I, I'm still struggling with this myself. No, I think I think you have a great point is that people are afraid copying is the best way is all businesses have been done all blog posts have been done all books have been done mm-hmm. and they were done thousands of years ago by like the Greeks and philosophers and like you know when books like the first books ever written they really all covered the same topics that are covered today so everything is a copy yeah. of everything else and like you said um, I'm not saying don't study the greats or people that are doing that are performing particularly well in whatever field they are um it's just i i get easily influenced Mm -hmm. to change what i'm doing completely to that where i think what you're saying is exactly right is you take a little bit from everyone um and build your identity because you'll you'll never build an identity copying other people but you can build an identity um copying someone and then going from there and changing it to your own ways have you read Derek Sivers' blog? Yeah, a little bit, yeah. Yeah, because I see your writing similar to him. And I mean that in the most positive way possible. In yeah, the sense great. of Thank you. Yeah, and I mean that in the sense of your posts are short, they're to the point, they're you just say what you need to say, you get on to the next paragraph, the paragraphs are short and you know, I believe that Probably Derek Sivers influenced you in some way, whether subconsciously or or consciously, and that's not a bad thing. Do you yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. And and so yeah, that that's kind of what I'm saying is like you you pull from everything, whether you even realize it or not. Like you yeah. read a book, you're pulling from it. You know, we're not original species in any way, uh, and and that's okay. Great artists steal, and yeah. and I think I just. Uh, I believe that strongly and I think that you raised such a great point about being aware of yourself and being aware that, oh, I'm the type of person who is just doing this to chase likes or chase, chase validation or or because I know the formula and I, I want to do that, not necessarily because I want to post that. It's so important to be aware of yourself, right? Yeah. Yeah. Yep. I think, yeah. I mean, if you, I, I really hope anyone listening doesn't have that takeaway that, uh, you shouldn't be inspired by people because in the beginning, that's why I, I started. I mean, it's a, it's a bit, it was a big push for me to see, like specifically Peter Levels was my inspiration in the beginning. I don't know if you know who he is. I only saw that he tweeted your your post and I was like, oh, like this was <laughs> clearly a big deal for Pat. Yeah. So he was uh, he was my like inspiration as, as far as an entrepreneur. Uh, in the beginning and um you know my style is I, I copied his style on a lot of things and uh, it, it worked well for me so um yeah i would say that definitely copy and definitely have inspiration for sure before we wrap this conversation up 
I wanted to ask you a question about what is an important truth that you believe that very few people agree with you on. And I know it's a tough question. I know it's a big one, but I'm, I'm super curious what you have to say about it. An important truth that I believe that a lot of people don't. Precisely. <laughs> All right, let me think. Um, Hmm. Really put you on the spot here. <laughs> no, it's fine. It's fine. I just want to come up with a good answer. Um, I mean, I don't think that is something that people don't believe. Or I guess a lot of people say to like... Um, really do what you want to do in life or follow your dreams. Um, I think that's like a very cliche advice, but it's rarely ever followed. Um, and you can just see by, you know, the amount of people that are in jobs they don't like, especially during this COVID time, um, or realizing especially that they like their jobs less. Um, so I would say that especially if you're listening to this and you're younger, like if you're in your teens or your twenties is like to really go searching for your truth because there's a very, very high chance that you didn't find it yet. And um, it may take lots of career changes or trying, you know, a million different things to find it. Cause you probably won't find it on your first time or your fifth time or your 10th time or your 20th time. But a lot of people believe that, um, you know, you got to pick your major in college or even in high school, you pick the college you're going to go to because the major you're going to go to because of the job you're going to have after college. But you don't know if you're going to like that job until you're in that job, which is after college, and then you're too late to change it. Um, and I just want to say that's never too late to change what you want to do, even if you, you've spent a lot of time and money to do that thing. And that may be like anything. Um, but for me, it was a job or it was the career that I want and the work that I want to do is like I graduated with an accounting degree and then I switched that. I went and worked for startups and then I switched that and went and learned to code and then I became an engineer and like all those things. I thought that was going to be what I wanted to do until I finally found what I'm doing now, which maybe it's not even the end answer, but um, it's made me happier and more fulfilled uh, to keep trying things. And sometimes that looks bad. Like, um, you know, you look like that guy that's like, you know, still unemployed at you know 30 or whatever um, or you you're just not as successful as you wish you were at some age so i'd say that um keep searching i don't know if that's the truth or whatever but i, I, I think that people could do that more to find what they want to do what you just said reminds me of your post about being a lost teen and <laughs> and it's just it's so true man it's like, and it goes back to what we were saying about how you're the only person that matters and, and you have to do things for you instead of for anyone else. And I couldn't agree more. And I wish more people would live that way. I think people would be a lot happier. And I really appreciate you coming on this podcast, my man. Tell everyone who's listening, 
if they're still listening to this point, where they could find you on the interwebs because I know they're curious. <laughs> uh, so that daily blog is patwalls.com, P-A-T-W-A-L-L-S.com. If you search Pat Walls in Google, then you probably find my Twitter, which is at the Pat Walls. And then you could find Starter Story by just Googling that. Awesome. And those will all be in the show notes. You can find those at dannymarena.com slash podcast. Thank you again, Pat, so much for joining us today and really appreciate it, brother. Thanks for having me. It was awesome. That was my conversation with Pat Walls. If you enjoyed it, let me know on Twitter at Hey Danny Miranda. And if you're still here, I really appreciate you. Thank you from the bottom of my heart and hope you have a wonderful day.